All right, I'm going to go ahead and start off with some words of Jesus, and then we're going to pray. You put my first scripture up? All right, John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. It's very important. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for all the blessings you put on me and my family, Father, and you deliver us to a church, Father, that loves us. Father, I just ask for your anointing, Father, to just be upon me, Father, in the church tonight, Father. Just take the coal from the altar, Father, and, and cleanse my lips, Father, so I can speak your truth tonight. So, Father, just, just let us just glorify in you. Let us hear from you and let our lives be changed, Father. For we know this is a place to be altered, Father. This is a place to come to be changed by the hand of God. So, Father, just be with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, we'll get right into it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. The first part was just a teaser. Isaiah chapter 1, verses uh, 16 through 20. It says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they, will be, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse to rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Go back to verse 16, please. All right. So we know that God is sovereign. He's a sovereign God. He knows all. He sees all. He cannot be fooled, and he's not caught off guard. I mean, nothing surprises our God. So with that being said, is uh, I walk around my day-to-day life because I claim Jesus in my life. He is Lord over my life. So this, this, my cell phone is not my God, but I want to just take a, a cheap analogy here. It's uh, We have FaceTime so I can talk to my children while I'm at work sometimes. I ain't supposed to, but I do it anyways. So, you know, it's like having God and Jesus looking at our lives all the time on FaceTime. Just, I'm walking, everything's going great, you know, Jesus, you know, bless my steps today, just put somebody in my path. Then all of a sudden something happens, somebody makes me angry, somebody offends me. Jesus, hold on a second, watch me in my wrath for a moment. Watch me take my revenge out on this person that hurt my feelings. You know, after they offended me, right? Or Jesus, listen to me say this little white lie. It's just a small one, and it's going to help me get ahead in life. So, I mean, I know you're here, I know your presence is here, so I know you see all. So when I say these little lies... These little things that are going to advance my career or advance whatever I got going on. You can hear me. So it goes deeper than that. Uh, one I really like is Jesus, watch what I'm about to do with the finances that you give me. Watch what I spend my money on. Is it, most of the time it's just me and mine and, and what I want and what makes my flesh feel good. So Jesus, just watch me do this. Just to turn around and tell you that I don't have enough money for your missionaries. I don't have enough money to give back to your church. I don't have enough finances to give to the least of these like you've commanded us. Hey, we're supposed to take care of the widows, the orphans, and all this. I just read some of that. So the one above that is one that I have always done a terrible job with is Jesus watched me me ruin my witness by engaging in unholy conversation. Uh, Sometimes it's with people that are lost, but a lot of times it's with other brothers and sisters. We get caught up in conversations that other people hear they hear us talking about it, but I don't want anything to do with that. Right. So, so Jesus listened to this, and then, and then when, I, when I ruined my, my testimony, when my witness is shot, 
And then, you know, I watch Jesus send somebody into my life that doesn't know Jesus. And then I say, I've offended myself and I've offended my God by the things I've been saying. So now I totally ignore the opportunity when God sends a soul to me to minister to. And I feel beaten. I feel broken. I feel beat up about this. So many times, I don't even want to think Jesus is in the room with me. So, but like I said, if, if I have to talk to myself in, this, in a cheap analogy, like God is just watching over me, like, you know, it's easy to teach kids these things, but it's, it's the truth. And when I tell myself this, and then I look at my life, and then I turn out that I'm having a one-sided conversation with God. I don't mind telling God what I want. I don't mind telling God what I need. I don't mind telling God anything. But when it comes down to asking God, what do you want me to do today? Uh, my, my Jesus, my the Holy Spirit, how do you want me to react to this, to this situation that's popped up in, my, up in my life? You know, how do you want me to react to this guy that cut me off in traffic? How do you want me to react? I said that because that was true. Uh, you know, how do you want me to react to these guys that are talking this, uh, this course joking? You know, the, the jokes are funny. I mean, they, they are. They're bad, but the jokes are funny. But I don't want no part of that because my Jesus wouldn't be in that conversation. So I represent him. You represent him. So, you know, if we just take the time and, and, and we, we seek Jesus, you know, for one, you ain't going to know how he's going to react if you're not in his word. This is how we know the nature of God. You pick it up, you get it in your heart, and you, and you know, I can put this down now. You put that in your heart, and you, can, uh, you understand every situation that comes up, you ain't the first one to deal with that situation. You ain't the first one to deal with rejection. You ain't the first one to deal with temptation. You know, Jesus came. He conquered all these things. So, uh, let's, where am I at? All right, let's go to, uh, that looks wrong. All right, uh, Luke 5, I didn't give you that scripture, I don't think, but Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Pastor does a great job on that sermon. But it's where Jesus sees Simon and some of the disciples, as he's calling them. They're on the shore washing their nets. They've given up on fishing. They didn't catch anything, so they were, they were done. They were washing their nets. So Jesus got in the boat and had them sent back off away from shore. And when they got off shore, he told Simon to put his nets back down. Simon tried to tell the Lord, I've already done that. You know, there, there's no fish out here. We've, we've been trying. There's no fish. So Simon ends up putting his nets back down. And, and lo and behold, there were so many fish that his nets began to break. And they had to call for assistance from another boat. You know, what, what, the, the, what I want to bring out of this is listen to Jesus and be astonished. Amen. The Bible says they were astonished at the number of fish they caught. You just listen to what he's got to tell you in his life. Listen to his word, what, he, what he's got for us. Amen. It's amazing. I mean, the world tried to astonish you with flashing lights and whatever they got. But Jesus is, is a real astonishment. His stuff is, actually means something. You know, it brings life to lost, you know. It opens up blind eyes. Deaf ears get opened. So let's go on to, uh, to verse 18. Back to verse 18 in Isaiah. It says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So God wants to reason with us. It says, though your sins are like scarlet, though they shall be as white as snow, they shall be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So this is it, guys. Uh, this is what God desires for us. We, we get all stained up. We get stuff all over us. You know, stuff that we bring on ourselves. You know, the trash, uh, you know, just sin in our life, just, just things that we do that are just, just marking us all up. And Jesus says, come to me, let me wash them off. But he goes a step farther. He says, come to me, let me wash off what the world has marked up on you. Uh, I'm teaching the children in the back, and, and, I, and I thank you guys for trusting me with the kids, but I gave them an analogy last week about their friends and the company they keep at school or whatever, and uh, one of them I, I brought up to their attention was, if I want to walk really closely to a freshly painted wall, 
and rub up against it. You know, even if I try not to, eventually I'm probably going to get a little bit of that paint on me. Well, I can try to wipe that paint off, but I'm just going to smear it all in and get it all over me, right? More than likely. I'm just going to get that wet paint all over me. And then before long, but you know what? I've already got paint on me. I can just stay right here anyway. I mean, I've already got paint on me. And then I end up watering this paint. Before long, I get my hair in it. I mean, and then I'm slinging it. I'm getting it on everybody else. So I'm getting myself stained up and covered up with what this world has for me. Jesus don't have this world for you. He just sent you in here to rescue, to lead, them, lead the lost to him. Amen. So too many times we just get so close to this world that it just gets off on us. It gets us all over us, guys. It's, I mean, it's, 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 I, know, I know it's kind of deep, but this is just really dealing with me. If I'm talking to nobody else in here, I'm talking to myself. So God's desire is to get them stains off. He says, you know what? You can't get that stuff off by yourself. I have just the thing to get that off of you. Amen. His name is Jesus. Come here, and I'm not going to leave one speck left on you. It's all going to be gone. Just come, come get washed. You know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, right? One of them didn't want him to. He said, no, no, you ain't washing my feet. Is that Peter? You ain't going to wash my feet. He said, unless I wash your feet, you got no part in it. Get my whole body. Wash my whole body. Are we willing to let Jesus wash us? You've got to ask yourself these things. Verse 19 and 20. This is, this is really the meat of it right here. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Go to 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this one here, I, I read over and I read over it and I read over it. And it seems kind of like a threat from God, but, but it's not a threat. Uh, the, the deeper I got into this, I realized, for one in my own life, I don't do well with ultimatums. Uh, I've had many people in my life say, do this or else, or... You know, jobs even in the past, before I had kids and a wife, be like, do this or you're not going to have a job here. And I'd, I'd challenge it. I mean, my pride, my stubbornness, I'm like, okay, I'll find another job. Your breath stinks anyways. You know, I'm gone. So, uh, but anyhow, b- bad idea. I got kids now. I, c- I can deal with a lot of stuff. Uh, but if you refuse and rebel. So God says, I got good things for you. If you guys listen, obey me, listen to my word, listen to my son, listen to my servants I send to you, you're going to have the good of the land. God's not saying you're going to have an amazing life. But you're going to see God work in your life, and that itself is amazing. But if you refuse, and I don't think this is God saying, hey, I'm going to hammer down my wrath on you. I think he's saying, if you don't listen to me, this world is going to take you down. That's what I get out of this. You want to live by the world? The world's going to take you down. You want to live by Jesus? Jesus is going to save us. So, you know, ultimatum or not, this is the creator of the universe that's giving you a warning. And better yet, he's giving you another chance. That's really how I want to see it. It's another chance because... Again, i got to relate most everything I have to children because I have like 13 or so. Uh, so my children, a lot of times, I have to tell them to do something. And then I have to tell them again to do something. And then I tell them again to do something. And then a few minutes later, I have to tell them again to do something. And then after I tell them that, i got to tell them again to do it. You know, uh, so hopefully that's within a few days instead of a few minutes. But it still happens. And... and then I have to relate to myself. You know what? That's my child. I'm a child of God. Many times God tells me to do something. And then he has to tell me again to do something. And then, uh, and then he sends me his word. And I see in his word that I'm supposed to do something. And then after that I hear somebody preaching that, hey, I'm supposed to do something. And then he, here's the killer. Sometimes my children remind me that, hey, you're not doing something when you're supposed to be doing something. So out of the mouth of babes, right? Sometimes I get corrected by my children. You know, I just have to take it. So, you know, these are, these are other chances. And really what I'm going to bring out of this is 
Sometimes I don't want to get up and go to work. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to call myself lazy or anything, but sometimes I just want to stay home, especially on a Monday, and just have a nice day off with my wife, you know, 13 children, just kind of nice and quiet at the house. <laughs> and uh, quickly, quickly I realize if I don't work, then I ain't going to eat. But it goes deeper than that. If I don't work, my children ain't going to eat. I'm not just affecting me and mine. It's, it's going to be me and my family and those around me that's going to suffer as well. So I thank God that Jesus didn't take the day off at Calvary. Amen. He had an appointment for us. Uh, Jesus knew what was entailed. He knew he was going to be spit on, beard pulled out. He knew he was going to be, he going to be put on that cross. It was going to hurt. He didn't want that pain. Yeah, but Jesus also knew that that was our only chance. That was the only way we could be reconciled to the Father. It's through this, through his only son here. So this is the gospel of Jesus, guys, pretty much. But, you know, the fact is it's worthy to be shared. We need to be reminded constantly of this. But beyond that, we need to make sure that we're not keeping it for ourselves. So I got a whole lot more in this. I'm getting kind of tied up on it, but I'm going to keep going with it. All right, uh, So when we choose, and we have many excuses why we don't witness, we have many excuses why we choose not to share Jesus or the gospel with somebody else. Many reasons why. And uh, I'm not going to name them all because if I leave yours out, you'll say that yours don't matter, and it does matter. There's, there's no good reason not to share Jesus. So whatever your excuse is, the temporary inconvenience you're going to suffer by your time, your energy, to share the testimony God has built in your life, to share the gospel that he has trusted you with and commanded you to go share. That temporary inconvenience is not much suffering when you look at that person that desperately needs Jesus. And you're the one, you're the one that's supposed to bring it to them. Yes, yeah, but it goes deeper than that. There's, uh, it can go to this point. Uh, if, if you just took that time, that opportunity to share that one person Jesus put in your life today, they could affect one or a thousand. I mean, you don't know. You just got to be faithful in sharing with that one. So I got a story I'm going to share with you guys in a minute. Before I get there, I want to tell you about uh, one of the scriptures that it's always hard to preach about because everybody knows it. But there again, it's, it's very important. It's John 3.16. We put that up. And this is God talking to Nicodemus. He's telling Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not, excuse me, should not perish but have everlasting life. So what this is telling me is, For God so loved Adam that he gave Jesus for me. For God so loved Brother Doug that Jesus came and died for you because God said, I love you. That's what this is. And, and, and same goes for Monica, Ben, Brother Roy. Jesus died for you guys. You know, I, I know it's a scripture that everybody knows, but what are you doing with the scripture? You put it in your back pocket and sitting on it, just leaving it? I mean, it's, it's important. It's the first one I knew. You know, it's the first one I memorized. And how many times have I shared it? I've just recited it, but not really sharing it much. Go to the next one. I think it's Romans. This is a painful one. Romans 1.16. This is the Apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now I have to ask myself, why in the world would the word of God have to mention anything about being ashamed of the gospel? Who in the world is going to be ashamed of the gospel? So I started breaking down that word ashamed. What does ashamed mean? And, and the best word I can come up with is embarrassed. Embarrassed. And, and, and I'm thinking, what do I do with something I'm embarrassed with? 
You know, I think of, uh, and I'm just going to bring some girls out here. If a girl gets a pimple on her face, it's ugly, it's nasty, it's red, sometimes it's yellow, they're going to cover it up. They're going to they're put something over it. It's probably going to make it way worse, but people ain't going to be able to see it. So they're going to hide it. Well, guys, I got one for you, too. If you zipper bust, you're going to untuck your shirt, you're going to cover that busted zipper up because you don't want nobody to see it. I know it's a cheap analogy, but it's, it's, it's what I got. And uh, what do we do what we're ashamed of is we hide it. We hide it. So I don't want to hide my Jesus. I don't want to put him, you know, we say, take your lamp, put it under a bushel. Well, no, 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 I'm not doing that. He needs to be up. He needs to be the light on the hill. Come on, guys. Sit on the hill. Amen. So what are we doing with him? We need to be speaking for him, you know, because this is our mouths we have. He made these mouths. What's coming out of them? No, I did that page. All right, I'm going to share a story with you guys real quick, and you probably know this one, but you may not, and I hope you don't, because it, it means more if you don't know it. Uh, all right, this is a story that I, that I did some research on. It says, on a cold winter's day, 6 January 1850, there was a young man walking through the streets when the first flakes of snow became a blinding blizzard. He was desperate to get out of the storm, and he noticed a small church up a side street. The church was open and services in progress. He hurried off the street, into the church to escape the blizzard. And what happened next, we're going to let his word say it. It was the primitive Methodist chapel. I have heard of this people from many and how they sang so loudly that they made people's heads ache. But that did not matter. I wanted to know how I might be saved. And if they made my head ache ever so much, I did not care. So sitting down, the service went on, but no minister came. At last, a very thin-looking man came into the pulpit. He opened the Bible and read these words. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. Just setting his eyes upon me as if he knew me all by heart. He said, young man, you are in trouble. Well, I was, sure enough. You'll never get out of it unless you look to Christ. And then lifting my eyes, he cried as only a primitive Methodist could do. Look, look, look. I saw at once the way of salvation. Oh, how I did leap for joy at that moment. I know not what else he said. I was so possessed with that one thought, I looked until I could almost look my eyes away. And in heaven, I will look on still in my joy unspeakable. Uh, what makes this one really exciting for me is the, this, this story was about Charles Spurgeon. That was a young man that got off the streets. That wasn't his church. He got there. They were singing. The singing stopped. There was no minister to get up front. Nobody walked up front. Not for a while, anyways. Finally, he said he saw a thin-looking man. That, that man's name was Robert Eaglin. And uh, when he got up there, well, the story goes is, is the pastor actually got snowed in. And he didn't make it. A small number of people showed up there. And one of them just happened to be Charles Spurgeon. I believe it was his dad as well. But that other man, he knew that it was an opportunity to share Jesus. There was uh, in God's house. They were on God's time. And most of them were probably God's people there. But there was nobody there to share God's word. So he took that opportunity and opened up the book, went to Isaiah, and read those words. I don't know if it was a five-minute sermon, a ten-minute sermon, or a three-hour sermon. It really didn't matter. One person was saved and led to Jesus Christ that day. This one person ended up leading thousands and doing 3,000, 4,000 some odd sermons. You know, I've been doing some research on him here lately, and it's, it's, it's really exciting stuff. So, you know, you never know. You never know where God's going to place you tomorrow or today or whatever to do. I mean, you just got to be willing. Hey, man, my life is bought and paid for by Jesus. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with this? It's an expensive gift. Don't waste it. 
you know. Oh, I hope I ain't too early. Well, all right, so this, the other thing I want to talk about is I had a whole other sermon on just this all by itself, and uh, it's something that I've wasted a lot. And I always know God always gives me something that, that's just not what I've been doing, and I know he's dealing with me. So one thing I want to talk to you guys about is this in front of us. This is an altar, and this is a blessing from God. There's a lot of churches that don't even use them. I mean, there are walkways to come up to the pulpit say a few words. But, you know, if you look at it, what I see is how many lives accepted Jesus down here? How many lives were reclaimed down here? How many bodies were healed? How many lives were healed? You know, how many tears were cried? I'm sure there was a lot of them. There's a reason we got hardwoods now. So, you know, I mean, this, this, this is true, though. It's, it's something we take for granted so much. I know as, as a whole, as a church, we, we come down here. But I know from my personal experiences, many times I would just stay at my pew. And God will deal with you there. I'm not, I'm not putting that down by no means. God will totally deal with you from the pew. He'll deal with you from your car, from your house, from your bed, from the hospital. He absolutely will. But what I love about this little area right here is every time I call in the name of Jesus, he comes running to me. This gives me a chance to come running to my Jesus. You know, and, and, and that's, just, that's just so amazing. I just, I hate to waste it. Uh, I think I kind of blew through this pretty fast. But I can get you to stand up and praise team. Could you come up? So, you know, if I talk to nobody else tonight, I, I know I've dealt with myself. I know witnessing is not my strong point. Uh, really, children's not my strong point either. I don't feel like it is, but it's, it's definitely where Jesus has put me, and I want to be faithful to it. Amen. I want to be faithful to wherever he places me. Uh, if, if he counts me worthy, then I know I can do it. Amen. So, when you're, when you're dealing with things, when you're day-to-day life, guys, you got to know this. Jesus, Jesus knows who he's sending, and he's sending you with his gospel, and he's sending somebody to hear from you. You have a testimony. You have his words. But guys, tonight, this is God's house. You are God's people, and this is God's time. Let him do it. If you want to come up to the altar, the altar's called the altar because it's a place to get altered. This is where God can change you. This is where God can really fix your life. Because you, we put things in here and we try to put our life together how we want it. But we come down here and we say, God, take the garbage I put in here and put me back together the way you want me. You know, what I do doesn't work. I've tried my way. It's broken. It's painful. It hurts people, not just me. 